0: Welcome to Value Through Vulnerability, a podcast dedicated to putting the human back into humanity. Today, I had the absolute pleasure of welcoming Jeremy Scrivens from the Emotional Economy at Work to this podcast. So, Jeremy and I have known each other probably for about 12 months now. We met via Twitter, as so many of us do these days. And I was really interested in, and pretty inspired by the work he was doing around trying to develop collaboration at scale. And whilst we've had a couple of conversations in the past, I, I didn't really have a clear understanding as to the depth and breadth and passion that, that Jeremy shares for trying to rehumanize the world of work. So we, we talk around a whole range of different topics today, but I think do look out for the, the really quite emotional stories that, that Jeremy t- tells and, and speaks of um, the one in particular that captured my heart is this this one around the the airline that gets diverted due to a blown out engine, and just how an organisation, a team of humans, can come together once they see past the silos and the part bit um, organisational design, which so many um, organisations still have a hangover from the uh, from the industrial revolution. So yeah. Please do dive in. It's, uh, this total podcast lasts around one hour. There's an awful lot to take away from it. I believe that you'll take a lot away from it. And uh, Jeremy, Jeremy and myself would welcome your feedback. And do let us know what you think. Thank you. Welcome to Value Through Vulnerability, a podcast dedicated to putting the human back into humanity. Uh, this evening, or this morning in the UK, this evening Australia, I'm very grateful to have Jeremy Scrivens with me. Hi Jeremy. Hi, how are you? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Uh, enjoying our 29 degrees, as long as it lasts, so very
1: happy. Yeah, I, was, I was with you in England last week and about five weeks ago, and just just remind me back of that a crazy summer of 1976. For those who can remember 76 in England, it was amazing. I was 21 years old and courting a girl in England, and it was the hottest summer on record. And I think this one in 2018 could come close to it, I think. Oh, awesome,
0: awesome. So you mentioned
1: you've been in the
0: UK quite recently. If, before, we yeah. get, before we get going, is it, would you mind giving a bit of an introduction to you, Jeremy, who, sort of who you are, what, what you've been up to, what, what you're passionate about at the moment, just to give us a sort of couple of minutes about who, who, yeah. who, who is Jeremy? <laughs>
1: Well, I was born in Oxford um, in 1955 in in, in England. Um, son son of a, 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 a cler- an Anglican clergyman, um, and and he was going to university at the time, studying at Wycliffe Hall in Oxford, studying theology. And then, uh, about seven years old, we went to live in Cheshire. Went to Cheshire preparatory school, and then my father, who um, who hated cold, we had the coldest win- winter uh, on record, I think, in in the UK. Sixty-two-three. Again, you guys, that's going back a long time now, boy. <laughs> okay, so for those who can remember, sixty-two-three. Look all You can't look it up <clears throat> because it was amazing. Like it was literally snowed under for weeks, then. and that was it. So my father used to say, "I love love to sweat, but not shiver." So that was it. That was enough of England. So uh, and you love cricket. So that, that was so somewhere was warm, somewhere where cricket was played. So we went off to Rhodesia for four years. Zimbabwe um, is it's called now. And that was a part of the Rhodesian Army. I went to school there and, and played cricket and. Love playing cricket. Then, then it got a bit tough over there, so we came back to England uh, about 68. Uh, went to school, King Alfred's Grammar School, he wanted for a year and a half. Another cold, cold, cold summer in 69. So dad's dad's looking out again. So off we go to Jamaica for a year and a half. And 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 I uh, <coughs> tell you a funny story in Jamaica. Can I tell you a funny story? Please do. <laughs> so we're in Jamaica, right? I'm, I'm 13, 14 years old, right? And I'm persuading my dad not to go to school for a year and a half. We're in the middle of Jamaica, a little, little place called Chapelton. And, and and so I'm persuaded not, not to go to school for a year. So I've got to read all these history books and literature. That's why I've got a love for reading and stuff. Anyway, I'm sitting every, every day at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I'm sitting out, right, uh, outside, and, and I've done my chores. I've sort of pushed the lawnmower, this manual lawnmower, up and down this, this 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 grass hill. And every time i finished it, the grass is literally growing back. as a jungle. And these, these, these Jamaican boys, and sorry, about, sorry, Jamaican, sorry about the accent, okay, so I apologise. I'll do my best here. But, but the Jamaican boys come out. I said, oh, Jeremy, man, yeah, man, why you not go to school, man? Yeah, we'll come out now. You get your back and your board. we go and play a little bit of the cricket now. So I got my back and my board and we go out and play cricket now. And this went on for a few months, right, every day. Then I was a little bit older, so I got into puberty. And they got into puberty. And one day, it was like about six months later, yeah, Jeremy, man, yeah, man, you get your back the board. We go out and play, play a little bit of cricket, man. And afterwards, we go and, and, and we smoke a little bit of ganjo and go and play with the girls. <laughs> And I was sort of processing this a bit, you know, and I sort of went, my father said to me, oh, what, Some other mother goes, oh, so what are you going to do? I said, oh, usual thing. I didn't think, didn't think, I was just Jimmy not to think. So I said, oh, I'm going to, you know, go and play a little bit of cricket, you know, then we're going to go and smoke a little bit of ganjo and then we're going to go to play with the girls. <laughs> Six weeks later, we were back on a banana boat, slopes, banana boat, all the way back to England. That was it. That was the end of my Jamaican adventure. <laughs> so then we went back to England for a year then then it got cold again, and off we go to australia so i'm fifteen i'm in australia so I hadn't been wow. to school for about two years, and so I had to end up uh so i my father persuaded the university of w a to to well basically basically spend the school to put me into a year eleven, which was like you know sort of what's it what's it, what's the second level highest form in England called now I forget form it's It's like the year before you do your, your a levels yeah and so yeah, so, yeah. so so 'cause I was like two years behind two years younger. But, but somehow somehow had dad persuaded the principal to get me in. Then he went off to the University of West Australia and got all the examination papers from the last seven years. So I swatted them at night time and, got, and passed, the, uh, passed the A-level equivalent, got into university with a scholarship. So didn't didn't know what I was doing, knew nothing about life or, or, or whatever, but we went into the university, which was pretty cool. And then I did history for, a couple, for about, a bachelor's and master's in history. I, persuaded the university, I did a, a subject on, on old age and ageing in pre-industrial England. I knew I had a... Once I got in place in WA, then I'd have to go back to the faculty, Excuse me, all the resources are in London, and you paid for me to go to London, which is what they did. So I spent a few weeks in London, met a girl sort of who was coming out from Australia, went back to England, went back to Australia, um, and, and so I kind of lived there. Joined the Commonwealth Public Service um, as a graduate intake. Then, then uh, did that for a few years. I got um, in the personnel sort of area, or HR, we call it now. But I've always been interested in what work is, and so I got into what you might call organisation development, and fascinated by what work is, and 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 did that for a number of years, and then then um, kind of did that HR stuff, but restructuring. But a lot of it was the headspace. You know, it was a, lot of, a lot of it was around. We call use the word use the word transformation now. Transformation is being used all over the world to describe digital. Hey guys, I've got I've got a news for you. There's nothing new about the word transformation. It's been around for 40 years, mm-hmm. and 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 most of it. It was headspace then trying to engage people from the head and i knew that that we were trying to do i was using lean lean and six sigma and working on taking out costs and efficiency and uh, stuff and while that was good something was missing and the more i did it the more i felt something was missing about true transformation and i think in a nutshell i became interested in continuous improvement in the the, the 90s did a lot of work around that um but still something was missing and then as i left I went, went to Telstra to work uh, as as the HR manager in Australia's biggest telecommunications company. A lot of big gigs, transformation, but again, something was missing. And I had to leave Telstra and go go start my own practice. And my own practice was around around um, um, around lean and six sigma. And I became interested in, in 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 conversation around waste. Somehow, I became passionate about the idea of focusing on what doesn't work. And and I love going to the executive rooms, bring all these horror stories back about. What people told me about what doesn't work i remember doing that with an organization that was a flight catering company and and back in 2002 and this is what this is what changed my life for right? me. i went in there i thought so i went out and interviewed about 60 different people who were in these kitchens around australia called the kitchens big sort of industrial sort of yeah, they make all the flight flight um, meals and I went and talked to these people about all the bad things were happening i was doing what was called a people diagnostic you see diagnostic look for what's what, what, what's broken or doesn't work. And I came back with all these horror stories about, and so, in, for example, in Melbourne, right? In Melbourne, they've got this kitchen there and there's a lot of Italians in, in the kitchen in, in in Melbourne. And what I discovered is that, is that it was controlled by the mafia. Mm. So, 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 so they got all, and ha, half the liquor's going out, you know, and going missing and all that sort of stuff And the management's trying to work it out, controlled by the mafia. And, 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 and then I went to, 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 to the kitchen in, 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 in Sydney and a lot of lot of lot of Chinese there. controlled by the by the triads, right, from Hong Kong. So, I, I, and I'm getting all these stories about what doesn't work, and stories about how the 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 the, um, uh, the truck drivers delivering the food to the aircraft come back with the big sort of you know the big um, food food uh, trolleys, and they push them across um, these these demarked areas to try and break the legs of 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 the, the people who were cr- uh, sort of plating the food. That was horror story stuff. And I thought was the most brilliant, brilliant example of what doesn't work I've ever come across. And I was so excited. I want to get and talk to the executive team. So so here was happening. The the, the CEO had pulled in a new team that was designed, most of them, they were designed to grow the business, right? Designed to grow the business. Mm -hmm. Not fix it. It's a big, big difference. Not fix it. But I came in with a fix it issue, right? With, With a fix it lens. And I then got up and started to share all these horror stories. And before long, there was a sense of doom and gloom in the room. And then somebody yelled out, don't we ever do anything well around here? And it just, something just transformed in me because about a year or so before, I'd heard a guy called David Cooper he was a young professor, David Cooper Rider in, in America, talking about a different approach to organizational development, a different approach to, to change, a different approach to transformation, rather than focusing on what doesn't work. Rather, rather look for what works. Look for look for the best of something. He talked about how every organisation had a positive core, and that through storytelling and bringing different people into the room, you could share stories around what works. And 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 and, and it was an extraordinary experience for, um, for me. Looking listening to this guy, we were very good at Telstra at, at spending a lot of money on getting the best people in front of us and the latest fads. We weren't so good at implementing them, right. To be honest with you. Mm-hmm. But but I was still a cripper rider, and and, and and but I was hating him at the same time. It was love hate because he was challenging all the different toolkits I put together, and I tried, tried to put it away. But then this guy yelled out this day, "Doesn't don't we do anything well around here?" And something in me stopped, And Gary. What it was? It was my heart that got engaged, and, and I knew, and I did something, and I hope this, oh, this is a long introduction here. Right? I'm going off, I'm going off track. Yeah. But here's what happened. Here's, here's what happened. <clears throat> this is what transformed my working life. In front of this executive team, you've been brought in to grow the business. So you see, you can't you can't grow from focusing on what doesn't work. You've got to f- grow by looking for what gives life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What gives life? Self awareness is about. We talked about self awareness and vulnerability. Are you going to be? Are you trying to be self aware from from your weaknesses or from your strengths? Mm-hmm. There's a question for, I'd like to ask. Mm-hmm. Are you going to? Are you trying to become aware from your from your your weaknesses or your strengths. We've been taught for hundreds of years to focus on our weaknesses. We've taught to be vulnerable from our weaknesses. Why not be vulnerable from your strengths, right? Now, now I didn't understand that, mm-hmm. but something inside of me said, wow, and this guy yelled out, don't we do anything well around here? And I found myself suddenly in front of a group of eight to 10 executives. It was like an out-of-body experience, right? And I just turned around, and this guy's name actually was Gary. And he he was, so, so that's, you imagine, typical restructure, new CEO comes in, they're going to, most of the executives go, he brings his own guys on board or whatever. But Gary is one of the two remaining execs from the old old administration, yeah? And I said to Gary, and I didn't, I wasn't trained and I just and I found myself doing it. And part of me was saying, what are you doing, Joey? You're just about to kill your, your consulting career. You know, just started off, mate, what are you doing? But I've always been a risk taker and I've always been a rebel. But my dad taught me to have a, be a rebel with a cause, yeah? Mm-hmm. He taught me to be a rebel with the cause. And, and, and so, so my cause here was, well, it'd be nice to, to, to come help this company to grow. So, so I said to this guy, Gary, how long have you been in, in, in the company? He said, I've been in the company for 15 years. He said, and I said, and I said so I want, to, I want to ask you a question. Just humor me. I said, tell me about a time that you experienced the most amazing customer service in the company. Tell me at a time you, you experienced something exceptional that day, that you went home that day feeling that you in the right job at the right time. Everybody's looking at me, suddenly you ask this different question I'm, and I've got my fingers crossed to thinking, what's going to happen here? Will I be transported some, somehow? I don't know. But anyway, I'm asking him this question and I shut up and he looked at me and he said, Jeremy, that was five years ago see when you look for strengths you can go right back you can mine strengths right through someone's career or the history of things i said what happened he said, well i was the the duty manager on uh, on duty o- over a weekend in the darwin facility up in north of australia and 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 it was it was like it was it was nine o'clock on a on a saturday morning and i got a call i got a call from a very senior person in one of our uh, one of our airlines um, and, and, and one of our customers to say we have an emergency situation on our hands we've got a flight that's going from Sydney to uh, to Bangkok it's, it's got to deviate, it's diverting into, bank, into, into, into Darwin this morning um, it's going to be there for two whole days while we get emergency repairs and an engine flown out and flown in can you guys provide emergency meals? and my first reaction was this is above my pay grade I'm not allowed to make those kind of decisions yet yeah? And then I, went, then I realized that all the executives, all the big guys, all the big guys upstairs, the, the chefs with the big four-foot hats, right? The bigger boys. They were all in a some somewhere in Sydney with a do not disturb notice. They were building some sort of strategy for the future. They could not be contacted. Wow. And he goes, what am I going to do? Now, he was vulnerable, right? He was vulnerable. And then he took a step back. That's a term that's used a lot. in If, you, if, you, if we talk about guys on, on the tools, yeah? Mm-hmm they They use this term the best ones become self aware they, they they take take us to take a step back, which is in a crisis, just take a step back and pause, reflective thinking. And he goes, "What am I going to do?" Part of him said, I should have said no i can't we can't do anything but he said I, I, I couldn't do that because I, I was there were two hundred fifty passengers passengers coming in and 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 the guy said they're going to put them up at the airport. that was the other thing there's no accommodation in town they're going to put them up at the airport The big scouts jamboree going on. So he goes um uh what do i do now again he's a manager he's supposed to be the expert he's the person who's supposed to tell people what to do right yeah he goes i don't know what to do and then he goes okay look what i do i'll get my leading hands together so he gets his five or six leading hands together he's got the chef sous chef he's got the, the lady jane who does the plating of the food he's got he's got um He's got the the T the, the, the W driver, that's our union here. That They're the guys that drive the trucks to the airport. They're the ones that are only allowed to drive the trucks, all demarked. None of these guys t- talk to, to each other. They hate each other's guts. They're in silos. They never talk to each other, right? He gets them in the room together. And he says, he explains the situation. He says, we've got a flight coming in. We've got 250 people coming in. They need meals. There's no one else to look after them. They will go hungry. What do we do? And there was a pause. See what he did. He shared the why. He 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 shared an an emotional question with them, not not a rational thing. And he shared with them the fact I don't have the answers, but do you care about what I care about, which is these people? And then within five minutes, they were got they were coming together to co-create a way forward. The chef goes, that we have so no, no, not in, we have not uh, the menus when." Uh, we have no, we're doing what, we cannot do this. And Jane goes, I'll help you with the menu. He says, what? You are Jane, you are the the plate And And, she, <laughs> and, and she, what do you know about food? She says, well, actually, there's a scouts a Jamboree on this weekend. There's 10,000, you know, uh, scouts in town. I'm actually here because, you know, my job is here, but but actually I'm, I'm, the, chief, I'm the chief scout. In, in, in Darwin and I've got a team of 200 people now creating the meals. <laughs> and we put the menus together, and I'm here. And she looks at, see, see they, they didn't know that she was more than simply the person that does the plating, nine to five. She was a whole person called Jane, yeah, who happened to be also a chef in her own right. Within 50 minutes, she was in the fr- fridges with the head chef, co-creating a new menu from what was there, yeah? the what you want to see more of already exists in organizations and they use their imagination that all the terms you like agility whatever call it what well, a co-creation collaboration they were doing it within an hour and a half the first meals were going out to the airport right and they were going out with the T.W. drivers in the truck loaded but in the truck wasn't just the T.W. drivers but the platers and the chefs were in there as well because they had to go out and explain to, the, uh, to, 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 to uh, the passengers what was in the food because there was no time to put menus together. And the flighties had nothing. So they went out there. They went out there as a team together. And when they got there, um, about 12 o'clock, they, they got out the meals and they explained to the passengers what was in their meals. And the meals. And the passengers then invited them to share a meal with them. They, they, they had a meal together. It was the first time they'd ever seen the result of their work. And this was work that they had created using their own menus yeah, and their own collaboration. And in turn, they, the, some of them called their mates who were off duty that weekend and said, Come back in. Doesn't matter if we don't get paid. Let's just do this. And because this experience is amazing. And at, at six o'clock on the Sunday night, right? At six o'clock on the Sunday night, 60, 60 members of the team waved goodbye to 250 passengers as the plane left. I get very emotional when I tell the story because okay, it trans... I, I, it, it, I, I'm
0: feeling it, and I'm feeling emotional when you're telling it. Genuinely, it's incredible.
1: I, and as we saw this, now, go, can you imagine this room of about eight or nine tough executive dudes, right? Gary's telling the story. As he's telling his story, his whole body and demeanor changes. He becomes animated. He becomes passionate. Mm-hmm. He becomes um, engaged, to use all those lovely words. And also not just that, but all the other guys in the room are leaning towards this guy. And, 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 and so one guy says, so what happened on Monday morning? He said, well, got the, the airline called, called the chief executive of, of our company It was in Sydney to tell them what, that that was the most amazing customer experience they've ever had. And the guy goes, you what, mate? What are you talking about? And, and, and of course, on Monday morning, it all reverted back to the status quo. And then I turned around to Gary and I said, Gary, if you could, no, and I, I turned around to the CEO and I said, "Did you like that story?" His name was Cliff. Did you like that story? He said, "That was an amazing story." And then I began to use a couple of appraisal inquiry principles, which I remembered from my from the talk. I, I was just 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 literally speaking them out, which is, you know, what you want to see more of already exists. It's there, and 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 and, and, and let's look for the diamond, not the dirt. And, and I said to, to to the guys, I said to the CEO and to the guys there, let me ask you a question did you like that story? And they go, yeah. And I said, does that have any relevance to, to to, to our conversation about the future growth for the business? Because they were looking at how they become better at doing customer service and all that sort of stuff. And Cliff smiled and said, that's an amazing story. If that became the normal experience, the rest would take care of itself. And he said, but how do we do that, Jeremy? I said, well, of course, we do that using a Priestly Inquiry, don't we? <laughs> i sort of winging it, right? And so we ended up running our first summit. We actually got a team together, uh, which became known as the Blue Sky Team. <laughs> and we then mapped, the first time we did it in Australia, we mapped the entire end-to-end customer journey, right, mm-hmm. through catering, every single step, 70 steps, through the lens of storytelling around strengths what was the most exceptional example of what worked rather than looking at the problem and the result was and a group came together to create the future which resulted in a 30 percent reduction of cost 15 steps taken out the redesign of jobs which were end-to-end jobs with meaning and connection the barriers came down and even the awards got changed now that was a story that transformed my my way of looking at the world i now call that the summit room where, where we bring people together at scale and it trans, Garrett transformed my whole life at that point in terms of what i thought was Brilliant. you know was a way to engage people in the future the story of what happened on that weekend when the flight went AWOR. Jeremy,
0: i genuinely i'm feeling your emotion i'm feeling it myself because you're actually tapping into it <laughs> but really you're tapping into a lot of what i believe in you started your introduction around you know reduction in waste you know, trying to improve things, and that's very much where my thinking, as I've come into this world of people and OD the last sort of two or three years. But for me, there's been something missing as well, and it, it's and I you know I've challenged, if I'm honest with you, I've challenged the strengths-based thinking to some extent, sort of going, you know, but if you've got some element of you know something's holding you back, surely it's still good to at least acknowledge that and maybe fix that. What's holding you back with someone else that's better at that? Or, you know, So I've had a few sort of discussions around strengths-based, but yeah. I think even if you strip that to the side, what you've just described for me, and just a beautiful, true transformation you quoted being about you know, engaging head and heart and not just strategy. And I think that in itself is just so mind-blowingly succinct because there's so much chat, isn't there, about transformation and what does it mean? What is it? But at the end of the day, none of it is talking about the human being
1: really yeah yeah and and let me let me let me throw a couple of things into, into, into the conversation here around collaboration so 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 it, whether i'm in australia or you know in the uk or, or or the us or europe it doesn't matter there are current some current words that buzz like so innovation is a buzzword right um co creativity is a buzzword collaboration is a buzzword yeah mm-hmm. engagement is becoming hot. now i i i, I also think about Remember the old Kaplan and Norton is sort the of balanced scorecards, yeah? You know, they brought the balanced scorecard, which was fantastic, the idea that all things are connected. They still had money at the top, which is interesting. But what, what they great, their greatest gift, I think, in that book, in that, in that sort of you know, sort of um, breakthrough in thinking, was the idea of lag and lead measures, yeah? Mm-hmm. So, so a lag measure is, is an outcome of something that you do, and it's usually behavioral. So the lead measures are, are what, what Kaplan said we should work on. You know, if you get out customer service right, then the money will come, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So so here, here's the here's the the realization for me was that innovation is the lag measure, mm-hmm. collaboration is the lead measure. And 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 so I've spent the last three, or four years looking at how can we collaborate and then recognize how can we really collaborate in, in ways that are authentic, that releases the full potential of our strengths, recognizing a couple of themes. One, the fact that, that to collaborate we need an engaged workforce and yet quite gallop. There's lots of people do surveys now around engagement, but Gallup you know, have done it for a number of years now. They're the granddaddy of, of surveys. They're still showing 87% of the world's workforce is not engaged, yeah?
0: Yeah.
1: In a nutshell, their technology shows that 30% are engaged from the heart, and that, that's critical. The other thing is, and, and, and so, so, so if you're going to collaborate, how you, do you want to, I call them contributors, compliance, and subversives, the three levels of people in an organisation culture. And what we're trying to do we're trying trying to, to, to deploy the, the best and smartest technologies now which are all about the third platform technologies like uh, like sorry like you know mobile digital social analytics big data cloud these are all what are called third platform that they bring things together so we can do see more patterns mm-hmm. but we don't want the five or six marketing people or the product people in the organization to be the ones to have access we want everyone to have access to yeah. this data yeah. so they they can have a conversation and that means though Collaboration, which means, how do we engage collaboration? Well, uh, so, so the technology allows you to collaborate at scale. It still starts with the individual. Who am I? Who are you? Who are we? And one of the things about collaboration, if I, if I, and I do this when I'm speaking to a group of people, whether it be a, a, a you know sort of a speaking gig or more, more likely when I'm working with an organisation, an organisation's core team to, to actually take them down this journey of of positive, positive change rather than. A negative change or, or, or waste. And, and and so I say, well, you know, the, the word collaboration, the word co, or the prefix co has two meanings. If you look up the dictionary, do a dictionary trawl and co, there are two referring, uh, ref, the constant uh, definitions of co. Can anyone think what one is? And they'll go, yeah, together or something like that. You're right. What's the second one? Don't get it. Second one is equal. Collaboration means equality. Therefore, if we're going to take the collaboration road, we need to be able to have a conversation that leads to the restoration and extension of equality in our organisations and our cultures and our society. Because there's a lot of unequalness in our organisations and our society, which yeah and so if we we want to release what does collaboration look like it means a genuine authentic engagement from who you are it means that you feel free and able to be who you are um we i use the term strengths and struggles now not weaknesses. and so you so so you're able to people understand who you are it means being authentic it means being able to really bring out the issues on the table it means high levels of trust it means the ability to recognise that, 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 that the new conversations morph our life and our work. So what we care about as a whole human being is what we bring to work, the future of work, not just what the job description tells us is that little bit of tiny part of Gary that, that's now being bolted into the organisational, you know, sort of uh, database with a number put on. You Well rather like sort of the the, the sort of, we all got employee numbers as if we going to prison or something. and And... <laughs> you know and there's much more to Gary than that so collaboration is is about two things it's about innovation from strengths in terms of what do we do well so 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 what do we do well as an organization or a culture in order to do well we first must be well so what are our individual strengths so what are we passionate about and so real collaboration takes the time out to really discover who people are and it sees a collaboration not as an organization but as a combination of strengths, mm. the future of work is and the future of collaboration is combinations of strengths. But people take out take the time out to to do what you did with me just now, which is say, Jeremy, before we go any further, tell us who you are. So I'm 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 a failed ganja smoker and a and 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 you know and <laughs> and I didn't quite quite get there with the girls in Jamaica, never mind. But <laughs> you know. I mean, there's, there's a lot more to us than, than, than the job description. tells us. So, so that's, we're at a critical stage now. So I think the conversation, you know, I'm working with a fantastic organization called MHR in, in, in uh, Nottingham. MHR are a, 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 a traditional, well, sorry, they are a leading HR tech company that, that actually, were the first company in the uk to put payroll in the cloud yeah mm-hmm. 10 15 years ago and 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 they have a significant investment in that they've got tremendous technology 600 plus people five percent of the uk workforce is on their payroll for example but they have also have and they know that the future of work is going to um engage um a different way of working and and, and so they developed a technology called people first which is the world's first what i call second stream technology around future work first stream of technology is technology that continues the, the conversation so it continues the man's search for efficiency mm-hmm. it's an industrial mm-hmm. model so in that case you you, go, you look at automation classic robotics but that's for its own sake so in that case i think, think they think of those sort of constructs look at organizations as machines
0: mm-hmm. so
1: in the machine the, the person doesn't the person at best is an operator of the machine now, what if you automate it, what happens then to the person, Gary? They go. Absolutely. Because you don't really care for stuff about them, to be honest. Yeah. And that's what first stream, a lot of the conversations, and a lot of the fear and a lot of the stuff you and I see on Twitter all the time, for example, is, is a really a first stream conversation. People. So MHR developed a new platform, which is a second stream platform called People First, which I'm excited about in terms of what I've seen from it, which is the idea, it's a, common, it's a technology that enables Gary to be more of who he is and to engage all your data around your life and your work in a single app, which you own and you take forward for the rest of your life work together. And you connect with others who believe what you believe about how the future of work should be about augmenting people and in a community that forms, that we engage with individuals and you share together and with organisations and leaders who believe what, uh, that the people matter. And so, so they've called that in the future of work, we'll put people first. And, and that's why I work with them. We, we we're co-creating right now, co-imagining the world's first future of work design principles
0: yeah, lovely as that. an
1: ethos, which will enable organizations to, to, to deploy technologies in ways that first of all, engage their people to create the future of work in ways that matter to them and then supported by the technology. So story first, data and platforms second. That's why I'm excited by my by, by trips to Nottingham. That's why I'm bug-eyed now after a long trip. But I'm excited about what they're doing there. The other thing about them is just, just, just to be honest, I'm not, not plugging them. I'm just saying this is what I'm actually doing. It's real for me. Is that they are taking their people through their own journey of work. They're saying, look, we're a technology company. You know what it's like, mate. You and I have been around for a long time. And quite frankly, a lot of organizations who, who are into making products or, or delivering services really don't think in terms of, of, of the dog eating the dog food. They think in terms of what, how we can sell this to the customer, yeah?
0: Mm-hmm, absolutely.
1: Now, in the past, we got away with that. But I think personally in the future, I don't think organisations that do that will get away with it because I think there's a young generation coming through who want to be authentically engaged, yeah? And are asking questions about the organisation's authenticity. You've got to be authentic and you've got to be able to, to say to the world, not do what we sell, but here's our story. Would you like, us to, would you like to join the story as well? Would you agree with that?
0: Uh, I think that's absolutely spot on. And I think I'd, I'd even probably go a step further and say, mm-hmm. I think you're absolutely right with technology, the new generations coming through that demand that purpose and that meaning from what they do. But I think also what, it, what it's actually doing though, for me, Jeremy, it's actually opening up because you, you, me, you know, you're a young, a young person in the, starting with a six in your age. You told me earlier, you, you, know, you, you know, I'm, I'm 41, <laughs> you know, you, you know we, we've got purpose, we've got meaning, but we haven't had a way to really leverage technology and the, the sort of community that we can now find on Twitter, LinkedIn. You know, we were, we were all individuals 10 years ago, not yeah. really knowing who else actually thought like we did or yeah. could challenge us in a different way, or we could connect with to try and grow together like we can now. So I think, yeah. so other generations have always had it in them, I think, but they've never believed there'd ever be the chance to be able to connect. Whereas now you've got this, to your what you're doing brilliantly around scale and your, your summit room, is actually how do we use technology to allow people that really care about making the world better actually find a way to get together? And I think it's brilliant and, what they're doing. I really uh, do. And I,
1: think, and I think if you think about it, the other room is the social room now. So, so one of the things that the guys are doing at MHR in Nottingham, they're building, they're co creating one of the world's first social rooms. This is, a, this is where, where a group of them are, are becoming hosts of a social room conversation around thought leadership on LinkedIn, sort of connecting with professionals or, or others around uh, around twitter and then a facebook global community which is a conversation which is a collaboration it's a community um and and, and so, so i run a series called becoming social which is how how, how to start in a group of six to eight people to start that kind of conversation building a social room um, but it's authentic and they and, and they are going through the same kind of you know sort of questions that everyone else is going through which is you know and some of them are, they're they're engineers they're ux designers not a lot of them are used to, to being authentic and open on, on social media but the thing is though that they that, that, that they at the same time it's like it, it's like they were they, they, they're wearing two hats it's like when we did this conversation last week i remember a couple of them really passionate about wanting to share what they're doing with people first but they're not they're reluctant to share on 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 on, on, on social media when they come to work but as soon as they leave work they start sharing on social media because the organization is that? what is that what, what, what's fear yeah yeah because the organizations have told them that they're not allowed to be the mouthpiece of the organization leave that to corporate comms they've been and also the efficiency is, is is about what you do it's about the amount of hours you work the idea of going on to the idea of spending an hour a day on social media on twitter collaborating with, with people has no concept in the old way of doing business but in the future it's everything because in collaborating with people on social media you will find new pipelines of work because you'll engage with people who are there as social natives you as a social native will engage other social natives and the work will come because people go you know what let's let's work out how we can collaborate and so goods and services transactions will pass hands and everyone becomes a salesperson in the social room it's just a different way of looking at it That, that, that is
0: i love what you just described there that is so so powerful for me jeremy that point, you know, you know, which you spoke earlier about waste and, you know, and to be honest, you're really shifting and challenging my thoughts a little bit because I'm, I'm probably still coming a little bit as I come into this world from the focus on waste rather than a focus on strength to an extent. So I'm learning from you today. So thank you for that. But I think what you just described for me, that I don't know an organisation in my network that would see spending an hour a day collaborating and communicating with people outside of their sector, people they don't know, different viewpoints every organization I know would see that as a cost and not an investment without a doubt so I think this is a really really powerful discussion we're having and I really hope people take time to listen to this because I think it's yeah we really need to flip this this fear the fear that someone's not 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 to their laptop 24 7 just doing the job they're paid to do you know so let me
1: give let me give you a practical example how this works now now, here's a key word we've mentioned it once already i'm gonna come back to it now because it is the it is the it is a gateway into the future of work and that is this this word equalize mm-hmm. or equal, equal um and 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 equality is it and the lack of equality is the heart of so many problems mm-hmm. and and the lack of equality is usually behind it as some kind of someone's desire to dominate or pr- have power over someone else in some form yeah mm-hmm. um, now here's how it happens. I, I, the, the first the, on the first conversation we had in 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 Nottingham with his MHR, these beautiful MHR people first guys, right? Um, and we had a group of people in the room. One of them one of them was 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 very very young on Twitter, you know, twenty followers that sort of stuff. And so we were, we were coaching her, and and she wrote a, a. And so one of the first things I do is with a group of people. The very first thing I, I do is say, Gary, Fred, Jeremy, Linda. I want you to imagine, if you could change something for the better in, your, in the world or in your community, something that, would result, that something for the better to see a positive outcome by using social media to collaborate at scale, what would it be? What would it be? And, and I asked each of them, and each of them came back and, and with, with, with um, a, uh, an answer to that. And so someone goes, well. Hang on, you, you why aren't you going to get them to write about the business? No, and get them to k- write about what they care about as individuals, and also what's your personal hashtag? And then doc your per. Then we'll discover what our, what our shared hashtag is, and then we're going to write with both those in mind. Yeah, and and the rest will take care of itself, which is happening. So, so let, let's call her Linda. So she's in this in this social in social conversation in Nottingham, and she she's HR and she's passionate about well-being she's passionate about well-being you know being well um uh, i actually think being well is a bit a more active term than well-being um so I, and strength based when have you been well turns that turns a well-being concept into a positive question when, when is the, what's the best example of when you have been well well-being is a concept being well is an active active participative question anyway i'm getting distracted here
0: yeah?
1: but that's good. that's good but but um so 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 she's passionate and she told a story about about the time that she felt most well being when she was actually doing a piece of work with the police force she was actually hr in the police force yep yeah, in one of the divisions of police in, in the uk one of one of the constabularies. um and and so she she was um, um passionate about that and 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 um uh, and I said, and so as we got, I shared this wonderful story, and 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 I, and so one of the things that so, so one of the things that obviously a business like 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 a technology company is looking to do, the police might be a, a potential customer, yeah, because they've got payroll, they've got all sorts of things. So I said to her, I smiled, I said, so so would you like me? To, so, how, so how many chief constables do you know? She goes, I don't know any chief constables. I, I was way above my pay grade when I was there. It's okay. Well, let me connect you with the chief constable in the, in the, in the social room. You are gonna do what? Yeah. Here's his hashtag. So I, I she wrote a blog. I, I wrote a, um, um, a, a little sort of, you know, a tweet as you do. Love this, love this blog by X hashtag boom boom. Sorry, by account, uh, um, handle boom boom. And then, then I put the handle of, of, of one of the chief constables who's he's following me on Twitter and, and having a conversation he's actually actually passionate about well being. And said, over to you guys. To have a conversation and the rest the rest you know is history because in the in, in in the summit room sorry in the social room you don't have to go through all the secretarial loops and all the different hierarchies and all the different loops in terms of tenders to have a conversation from one individual to another who care about the same thing yeah and i call that i call that the future of sales as bypassing the gatekeeper
0: <laughs> well there's a lot in that you know you may know that i come from a sales and marketing background you know that's where yeah, i've been years coming into yeah. sort of the people sphere so you know this resonates a lot with me jeremy from the point you know i'm hearing a lot particularly the last 18 months and you're supporting this with your social room around this you know sales as function is going to shift the next decade massively because we're moving towards enrollment so, you know people believing in your vision people believing in you people trusting you as a human mm-hmm. being not just as a I face this organization yes. selling the products yes. but actually you as jeremy like we've discussed on this podcast so far you know us getting to know each other intimately will drive sales in the future it won't yes. be is my shiny product do you want to buy it from me or not yeah and i can really see that happening already which is really interesting
1: yeah and 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 you know um, um, um i'm just about to just to do a, a social room and, and summit room installed here in melbourne which is exciting for me because i've actually been going to england Uh, i will continue to do so for a while because i love making a difference to the country of my birth and um um, but but i think in some ways because maybe it's because of brexit maybe because of the NHS, maybe because you know britain uh, uk is a post first really genuine post post post-industrial society dealing with what that means massive immigration massive change need to have a different conversation the 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 the, the conversation around doing more with less is is, isn't working anymore Mm -hmm. we have to work out how to do more with more by bringing more strengths and stories into play
0: yeah
1: and putting the resources in place that aren't there yet um you know but 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 uh you know in straight. I'm just 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 sharing some of my stuff and then Sharing the People First Story actually on, on sort of written a blog of seven blogs on what's happening in Nottingham um, called People First and, and and just 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 you know sharing some of these ideas and some of these experiences. And so so there's a social native, her name is Lynn, and she's a CEO um, and 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 in Melbourne and she says, Look, Jeremy, you've follow been following following me on Twitter for a number of years now, it's time. I, I love that st- what you're doing it with. I love the People First story, time that we got together. So I, I met with her, and 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 we go through transformation. We, we need help, and we and I really like the idea of the social summit room. So, can we meet for breakfast in Melbourne? So I walk into this crowded cafe, you know, and I think, Lean, oh, gee, I didn't, you know, what you do sometimes. You're going to meet someone, you you forget to you forget to sort of check what their picture looks like, you know. <laughs> and, and and so I walk in the room, before I know it, Jeremy and there's there's Lean. She comes to me, gives me a big hug. <laughs> and then says i'll buy you breakfast and before five minutes we we're gone we were in an animated conversation because we already knew each other yeah, yeah. And, and 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 she said put a proposal in but it doesn't really matter that that was the, the proposal was simply the official thing to sign the, the due diligence it was nothing to do with when the, the deal will be done yeah,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> you know what i'm saying yeah uh and that is what everyone can play now in the social room and so organizations which think the old way that social doesn't matter will will basically have sales forces which become minuscule in comparison with the future sales forces which is everybody in the organization is part of some sort of sales process in the future
0: yeah no that that totally resonates with me and i think sort of What I've loved about our conversation so far, Jeremy, you know, the the theme of this post uh, podcast, you know, vulnerability, self-awareness, inclusion, you know, you've touched on all of those aspects. And it really seems to me that what you're doing and what you believe in, you know, those factors of self, of really just being human, are such a fundamental part of what you're doing and what you believe in. Is that a fair comment?
1: Yeah, and I think, and again, just uh, flipping the lens. So I I had the great privilege to spend a day with the Northwest um uh uh nhs leadership group in manchester last friday week i think you saw a, a video of that um yeah, around yeah. sharing the concepts and of the of the social and summit room But the very first thing we did was to we re- have an e- exercise for an hour so around reframing reframing the questions reframing the lens from that which you wish to avoid or fix to that which you wish to to, to to accomplish and innovate and grow, so I took them through a series of, of, of you know broke them up into groups and and here was a typical problem typical problem was uh, and i 'll share this one example so typical problem was um, the 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 trains are late again um, it actually came from a mate of mine, uh, David Shaker, who did some work around this in British rail a few years ago. trains are late again panic let's get let's get the people let's get the uh, uh the six lean guys in Let, let's find out the causes of what doesn't work let's fix it priest inquiry different question when have we seen an exceptional level of sustained arrival <laughs> and what was in place that enabled that to happen and thirdly who cares <laughs> and and get that into the room have a conversation so, so, so I got them to, to reframe that. So for example, reframe, we've done HR background, we do exit interviews. You learn nothing about exceptional levels of, of engagement from studying what's causing someone to leave the organization. You learn nothing about the causes of light or what gives life to organizations from studying darkness or dirt to find out what gives so so rather look for what doesn't work we we reframe it and look for the most exceptional example of an organization as a living human system at its functional best when it when you see most life most vitality those words are important most growth most energy um and 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 those are a different set of questions and then you can apply it to to a systems level discussion here here's how it works just quickly so I was working with a with a, 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 a an airline, a different, a different airline, a few, a few years ago, just exploring how, how to deploy a priestry inquiry and to engage in, in, in change. Because real change should not change management is an obsolete term. It, it's a linear and it implies only a few people can could, could control change. It is the opposite of collaboration, mm-hmm. and 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 um, and it implies only experts know the answers. Well actually that they're the problem not 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 there um so um in 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 this example here so here's an example problem statement airline issue the baggage is the baggage is missing or the sorry or the baggage is missing or late um let's find out let's get a team together and let's 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 find out the causes of why it's missing it's late uh respond to a crisis so, when I'm, when I'm sharing, this is a live real example of an airline. So, when I'm sharing with the airline, the idea that you bring all your people in the room because you want to bring more ideas into the room. Oh, so let's get all our baggage handlers together. Okay, well, you want, let's not start with a thousand baggage handlers. Let's get a core team of baggage handlers together. Let's get them to reframe this. So, I got them taught them the peace of and started with this the baggage is riding late. What would be a positive alternative? And someone goes they're quite smart because people are smart the best people know best are the ones at on the ground floor i reckon they know what's going on so 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 so, one so they go okay so so let's reframe this because the idea they were going to frame a topic right and then invite others in the room to to work up the, the strengths and then innovate from that so, so the topic then shifted from a problem to when have we seen the baggage arrive on time You know and intact for for a sustained period of time again this is not rocket science but it does take a shift in thinking and i went great that's fantastic then then one of the baggage handlers in the core team goes hang on that's great but it's not going to work by itself i was hoping someone might say they said what do you mean he said well we're going to try and innovate from this year he said but there's a number of different areas that have an impact on the baggage being late so a, a customer service if they take the wrong sort of slip or something happens if 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 if, uh, if the uh, flight caterers have have don't don't get all the meals out in australia planes can't go out without everyone having a meal even if it's just a blooming sort of half a biscuit which it is these days in most of the planes you still have got mm-hmm. to make sure but so so in australia it, the, the blooming caterers have they have what they, they're guys waiting in little little vans waiting for for, for the waste rather than deal with the issue they 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 they, they, they have these guys racing out the planes with extra food uh they're called extras and, and but if if you're if you're late with the food then you slow the plane down which means the baggage is late right so so air traffic control can, can, can cause issues all sorts of different people right the way through that the, the whole customer supply chain inside the company and outside could have an influence oh Oh, then someone said, great, so we need to get representatives from other areas in. I said, yeah, great, fantastic. Then the other guy said, Yeah, but there's an issue still. What is it? I'm smiling. He said, We're the only ones who care about the baggage. They don't care about the building baggage. They don't give a stuff. Think about what happened with the, with the when the flight went AWOL, the story I told in the beginning of the podcast. Think about the fact the flight, the flight, the flight, sorry, that the the that the, the, the truck drivers didn't care about the, 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 the plating of the food they they didn't care about about the, the 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 menus as the chef did but they all cared about the fact there was 250 people arriving who go hungry yeah that's what they, and so so they 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 found themselves transforming to a shared agenda and so what happened after the conversation i said well, so what do so what does everyone really care about This, and we all should or do care about the customer so they, after after that they came up with a new conversation a new definition of of um of a further topic was when have we seen the custom and it kept going they kept going so they come up with this when have we seen what's been the best examples of the most exceptional customer experience from the time they touch our company to the time they leave it wow and then we took that right back up to the CEO and then got his permission to bring representatives from all across the company and outside who were relevant to you know the journey of the customer and we had our first summit and the and this is what I blew me away. The baggage handlers opened it up and said, we are hosts of this conversation.
0: Beautiful. Beautiful, yeah. beautiful. It's, it's obviously, got so, so many powerful stories for me, Jeremy, but, but I think what you just described there for me is one of the, the cruxes of what we're discussing. So if we're looking at inclusion, you're looking at people trying to bring their whole self, you know, it's got to be safe. People have got to feel it's safe to do that. And I think, and, you know, who, who's got the information, as you just described, yeah. the people doing the job? So how do we get organisations to be safe psychologically and okay. actually allow those that do the job?
1: Well, I, I'll, I'll throw one more um, sort of concept, one, one, one idea, into it, which I think might bring this together in terms of these different things. So, so the, the fundamental shift for me, you know, way way back in that, when listening to that guy say, don't we, what, don't, we, don't we do anything well around here? You know, we were talking about the, the catering. What I didn't understand then but I came to understand was at the heart of the strengths-based approach, Christian inquiry, for example, was that we have set, we have designed our organizations and our jobs around the parts of things, not the whole of things.
0: Mm.
1: So, so, so we, we have increasingly become specialized. We've created the silos. We all of us see only parts of something, but the human spirit, is designed to be part of wholeness. We've applied a deconstructionist set of um, tools to to people and organisations. We break things down even further, as if as if we we're to isolate the parts. We isolate in order to fix. People aren't. I don't want to be isolated. They want to be connected. What appreciation required you? What what I saw in that room with the baggage handlers and all their mates in the room, and the mushroom farm—another story I share—was the whole system in the room together. Hearing the different stories from the whole, and what they experienced was wholeness. Everyone coming together, and they started to respect each other. They started to hear stories about the exceptional best, and they went to quiet themselves. Well, wow, I never knew that your work was so important. I never really understood who you were. I never really understood what your contribution is, mate. And then they began to then say, okay, so what's the positive core of all this together? They together reformed and formed the positive core. And then they became as one. So you ended up with, with equality, but also a oneness. But from the oneness, but then, then you're able to see a richness of diversity. Diversity comes from equality, not the other way around. Yeah. And it comes from the wholeness. And so I'm going to encourage... At the heart of my work is to, is to coach organizations and societies to return to the wholeness of things. The greatest about the technology that we've got now is that they provide a platform to restore the whole. But the technology by themselves can't do it. There has to be a conversation around who am I, who are you, and what do we care about? So, my question is if we were to bring a group of people in the room together, what would you change for the better? You know, together. Beautiful.
0: Absolutely beautiful. That's, that's the only word I can use. Yeah, honestly, it's absolutely beautiful what you're doing. And yeah, you've really helped me actually sort of clarify better, actually. So thank you for that around this sort of strength-based approach. I do get it. I do understand it. Or I I thought I did. But I think what you've helped me with today is rather than it just being a leadership tool or an organizational tool, it's actually something very fundamental that can help bring humanity closer together again, fundamentally it's, by using this. And, and, and that's that's way more powerful for me than just a leadership tool to try and get get more out of somebody if you see
1: what i mean so well, if, if you see if if again i'd say I, I i we're moving from the age of leader is hero the leader is host yes and 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 and, and in, in 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 the in the true leadership anyone can host anyone can host this is the beauty about the so you see the best of i look i look, I look for the best of things yeah can you see some rubbish and bad stuff on social media you know um but but if you fit, put that to one side and and look at the power, the best of it, you look you see people being drawn together. You see extraordinary examples of sharing, don't you? I mean, you, you and I are both Twitter social natives, and and, and we see people who give Absolutely. willingly give
0: Absolutely. their
1: effort, their time. What you and I would call what people call IP, they give it. They give it in ways that if you're part of a normal organisation, you would be you would not be allowed to give it away because it's seen as because it's other, the other, Here's the, here's the last principle. The parts of things create a deficit mindset. So for example, NHS is under crisis as we know in the, in the UK. I don't know how many different transformation projects are going on, but there are millions of them. But they will be done from the parts of things, not the wholeness of things. If you brought the whole together, what the guys in the, in the Northwest Leadership uh, NHS team are gonna be looking to do in the next 12 months following our conversations a couple of weeks ago, is to find microcosms of the NHS in society, particular towns or whatever, and look to, to to bring them into social and summit rooms to create the new NHS from, from the wholeness of things, not the parts, where where members of, of, of the public are equal players with the experts. Where, where being a doctor, you move from being the doctor, the specialist, to being Fred or Mary, yeah? As a member of community. And only then, and then when you do that, you can then bring all the different strengths into play. But you Do it from a sense of wholeness,
0: that's, that, that's really powerful. I think also, if you look at the other end of let's call it societal systems, about to education, I think there's also something in that as well around actually you know whether you're using strengths based or other tools to try and actually connect the wholeness of education into the world of work, into society. So it sounded to me that you know this what you're doing is brilliant and can be scaled even further. Right? Well, I think,
1: the, I think the future of work actually starts in the schools, and I think that. Uh, the young kids, so, I mean, my six year old granddaughter just left us tonight, but she's got her iPhone, she's got her iPad, she's on a YouTube channel, she's got, you know, called, you know, uh, A Tale of Ruby, I think it's called, and, and, and she just does a YouTube last two weeks ago, she gets 200,000 views. Now, of course, mum and dad are making sure there's some checks and balances in there, but, you know, once that's in place, you can still then, but do you seeing now with, with, with my beautiful wife, Sue, and, and showing her how to use the analytics on her iPhone. And she's six years old <laughs> and 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 but she's also got that creativity and that incredible so here's my point she's got the tool now she's got the she's got the she's got the app she's got the iphone she's got the technology um and she's got the the creativity that's it, that it built and then the wonder and the, in the magic. young kids ask why and at some point our school system stops you from asking why. <laughs> yeah? yeah. It's
0: it's
1: yeah. the it's the it's the it's the pink floyd brick-in-the-wall stuff, yeah? Yeah. Can't have you put it until you eat your meat. And and, and 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 so here's the great opportunity. If we if we can get people engaged, school systems and, leader, and 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 working with organizations now to create conversations and engage these young kids from the age of six years old in the future of whatever it is. Um, and to continue to to enable that creativity to flourish rather than kill it, then a lot of our issues in society will be solved. Because we can bring people together at scale to at least and to reconfigure combinations of strengths connected at scale to apply to humanity's most pressing problems
0: no oh, it's, it's, it's really fascinating i, I think the, the thing i'm hearing an awful lot as well i'm sure you are is everybody's talking about curiosity <clears throat> be more curious be more curious look out for this try and grow that but be curious and it's really fascinating because you come back to what you're just describing when did we lose curiosity it's become a thing to try and ha- harvest and to try and use more often which is really positive but it's almost like we've woken up to the fact that we used to have it once but now we need really to find it again to make the most of the the social room, the summit rooms, and the technology that we have. So well, we, really we put
1: we put you know just, just to finish up for tonight, we, we put kids into boxes very soon. You know they have got to decide what 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 particular pathway they take, which course, which syllabus. The government does the same thing with 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 the way it carves up its money, it puts them into programs. Yeah, mm-hmm. so you get put into a box. Um, and 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 the people are basically left with the bit to steer through the what and the how, but never the why. The why's take the why's taken away from people, mm-hmm. and we've got to restore the why. Um, and and and, but it's not just the organizational. But it's not the organizational why. It's the individual why. You know this term personal brand. I don't particularly like it. I think because that's a marketing term. People are not just marketing people. But I understand what they're trying to say. That everyone's unique. But it's, it's it's so I, I i say to people now can i ask you a question and i'll go see yeah. i say they'll say so what's the future work i say can i ask you ask you a question I say, sure what's your personal why and what's the hashtag that you that that's your personal hashtag hashtag which reminds you and connects you with others around their personal why connecting with yours what is that personal why now you think about it when i started work 40 years ago i, I didn't sit down with my bloody supervisor and, and you didn't say to me what's your personal why We <laughs> wouldn't know concept of that yeah but now the young kids if you ask them that question they may say explain but they're not going to be they're not going to be confused by it you might use that in different or different language but you but you know what i'm saying they're interested they want to know in other words no, no, another question is what what legacy do you want to leave mm. and who and who will you do it with and and how will you have fun and joy along the way so it becomes f- fun so the f- future of work is also the fellowship of the ring mm. you know it's a bond um and 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 I think that's so for me it's about looking for the lead- so where the leadership does come in, I think it's about finding the, those leaders that um who are open to this. Open open to have a go, as we say in Australia, have a go, mate, at at being a host, yeah? Have a go at initiating. So the future of work leaders initiate the summit and summit, summit and social room conversations and they they, they engage it, yes, they're they connected to a strategic issue facing the organization, but they take the time to reframe the strategic issue, which is almost always a problem statement to, to an affirmative topic. And then they invite people to come and, and imagine and co create a shared future from from the best of Experiences through storytelling today.
0: Um, I'm, I'm amazing! Uh, I could talk to you. I could talk to you all day and evening, but I know you're probably getting quite late in Australia, Jeremy. Well,
1: they are going to have some tea, then we can get. So look,
0: th- thank you so much for sharing the time. I just think uh, I feel really inspired listening to you. Thank you for sharing the story, your background, as well as you know what what, what got you into what you're doing. I think it's you know it's going to resonate with a lot of people. Those aren't already following you, but I'm sure there'll be more that do want to listening to this. So can you give us? Can you just wrap up by letting people know how they can reach out to you? Sort of hashtags, handles,
1: uh, et cetera. okay? Yeah, um, really I mean, do so I, I absolutely love, love to connect with people, and 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 and, and so obviously is the Twitter handle at Jeremy Scrivens, um, um and, and my LinkedIn. Please, please feel free to 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 connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, if you have just just mentioned this blog, uh, this uh, this podcast, and and I'll follow you back on on LinkedIn. Also, I've got a series of, 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 of blogs. LinkedIn, I think, is the best um, portal now. The, their Pulse portal is the best portal in the world for, for publishing articles and blogs. I use that as my base stream. So there's a bunch of, 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 of about 70 about odd articles and posts around these, these subjects and stories. That, that's a repository for me. So through LinkedIn, and if you want to feel led, then follow through and, on Twitter and, and reach out to me, DM me or on, on LinkedIn, and, 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 and we'll continue the conversation.
0: Uh, fantastic. Well, I really appreciate your time uh, today, Jeremy. I look forward to uh, meeting you in real life at some point going forward, but uh, keep up the good work. We'll get there. (laughs) We will do. Great to chat.
1: Cheers. Bye.
0: Thanks a lot, Jeremy. Cheers.
1: Cheers. Bye.
0: Hi there. This is your host, Gary Turner. Just wrapping up this really interesting and engaging podcast with Jeremy Scribbins. I've got a few key takeaways uh, following this, this discussion. The first one, and probably the deepest reflection for me, is actually around this focus on wholeness. So actually, really looking at the full system right through from education, through the world of work, into society, and how actually throughout the Industrial Revolution, we've broken down the world into parts and organizations today. Are just ill equipped to deal with the pace of change and how technology is impacting um, us in every aspect of life because we are too siloed and too stuck in the parts mentality we're too busy trying to fix parts of the system rather than look at the overall holistic wholeness of the system. Why this also impacts me deeply is following my recent quality of mind and three day retreat that I went on with and Pierce Thurston this this belief, this understanding, this implication in fact, that we are all connected, that we all do come from a source, whatever anybody wants to, to class that as, really reinforces a lot of the messaging and the impact of what Jeremy and I discussed today. You know, we are all connected. The internet and technology is giving us an opportunity to reconnect again um, like never before. And I think the way that organizations are designed is going to have to shift significantly. Um, to make sure that we do tap into the, uh, the latent potential that is on everybody's shoulders. One way to actually make sure that happens is to remove, I feel, job titles. Um, you know, old ways of working, old systems, old policies that have been in place for many, many years now just aren't fit for purpose for me personally. And I think things like job titles and you know exclusive perks just need to be completely removed. Um, if we're going to look to have people like Jane, who was referenced by Jeremy's first story at the airline food company, you know, Jane had all that potential. She had contacts that the organisation had no idea that she had. You now, we truly do need to start seeing the human being behind the job title as who they are, an individual, and really tap into that full human experience that that person brings, brings to work and brings to life. i also really, really thinking as well about the World Economic Forum report that that came out in March 2016 called uh, what skills every 21st century student needs and it looks at a whole range of different um, skills and competencies such as social and cultural awareness collaboration and creativity and everybody is talking about creativity and even more so curiosity and I think Jeremy and I spoke at length around the importance of curiosity and how that gets sort of knocked out of us going through the education system and certainly into the world of work so there's a big focus everywhere right now around trying to improve levels of curiosity. That includes that as a core value at my, within my immediate work organisation team. But unless we're getting this embedded early in the education system, then we're not going to be finding people being as curious as we need them to be um, as they enter the world of work. So a really key focus for me. I'd also like to, to give a, hu- um, a shout out to Lara Plaxton and the amazing work she's doing around employee and customer experience. You know, a lot of what Jeremy spoke about really resonates with me. And, you know, if we look at our organisations, how they're set up, how they're structured again around this parts approach, it's very much organisations on the whole being a system of parts all focused on their own internal siloed activity. And we're not thinking about the impact on the customer of our particular um, system. So how about involving the customer more in the process, asking for their feedback more regularly? How does it feel for them to be served by our, our organizations, what doesn't work for them as a customer. And then of course, doing the same with the employees. So there's a lot of talk around employee experience, customer experience, but are we actually joining this all together as part of a full system impact, a full system review, and are we truly asking everybody that has something to say and experience and a kind of contribution to make to, to, to really be involved as part of that process. We're not talking here about purely consensus, but it's purely collaboration. And reinforcing jeremy's point that there's actually two aspects to collaboration so one is the co-creation and one is actually the um the fact that we are, we're actually deeply deeply connected and finally i'd just like to to wrap up an extra point that jeremy really piqued interest in with me today which is actually around you know really the enrollment the enrollment of people to a vision you know back to simon sinek and his start with why Now, I work within a sales and marketing organization, have done for many years, but with my extra interest in in the world of people and OB, I can really see and sense and envision that sales as a function is becoming increasingly um, outdated. Not saying that we won't still have sales functions, but I think what they will represent and what they will be will be far more servant based. It will be far more around enrolling people to a vision, enrolling people to a belief system enrolling people in debate and really sensing what people want to get out of an experience with us um, as someone that is supplying rather than just trying to sell at other organizations and those conversations aided by tech will become more commonplace i'm 100 percent sure of that and i, I do hope organizations um, harness the opportunity to, uh, to do so so i think in summary wholeness moving towards um, more inclusive, more aware, more vulnerable organisations is absolutely the way forward. This particular podcast on the back of the eight before it has really reinforced that for me. And I think a really positive summary is it is all about the human experience. It is all about us just understanding and appreciating that we are connected. We aren't these disjointed human beings and we all have a contribution to make. And the more that we actively seek people of differing views, let's understand each other's perceptions, let's truly try and rebuild a society and a world that absolutely can connect and make a difference together. You know, there's plenty, there's plenty enough opportunity. There's plenty enough resource in this world. We just need to redistribute it more fairly, more equally. Again, back to the point that Jeremy makes around uh, collaboration, actually also representing equality. So thank you very much for listening. I hope that this podcast resonates with you. I hope you're enjoying this, this podcast series. We have a number of really interesting people coming up throughout August and September. But I am actively looking for other people to join the podcast, people from different backgrounds, different um, scenarios. You know, people that want to challenge maybe what's been spoken about in the first nine um, episodes. You know, this isn't this is far from an echo chamber. We want debate. We want different points of view, differing points of view. But we just want a debate and an understanding and a grown up adult adult conversation that helps us all learn from each other and allows us all to connect to each other. So thank you very much for listening, and look forward to speaking to you soon. All the very best for now.